There is only one feller with Cleveland. You mean nine Yankees are going to play against one feller? That's right. You mean there's no fellas in the outfield? No. And there's no fellas in the infield? No. Cleveland only has one feller. Well, Ron and Anian. Must be pretty good if, if they don't, he don't need any other players but himself. Bang, zoom. It fired right up. 42 pounds. Held residual pressure. Look at that. It's fixed. Hey, I fixed something. I went home feeling good that day. I decided, you know what? You really got to be out of your mind to fix cars. Nobody The Car Doctor. I always like to measure heat with a thermometer. I don't like to hold my hand up to it and go, that's hot, that's cool. All right? I, I'm a numbers guy. Now, the heavy hitter punched the ball. When he punched the ball, me being a good catcher, I want to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it the hole. Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about! Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... I'm only asking you, who's the guy on first base? That's right. Okay. All right. Here's Ronnie. No, 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 no. No more who's the guy on first base. Hello and welcome, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. As we kick off this hour, this next two hours of the Car Doctor radio show, thanks for being here. It is time to start your engines and get out under the hood and see what's going on as uh, we move forward. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Happy to be back here and uh, live and ready to go, all fired up and ready to talk to you about your cars and their problems. Real quick opening comment. Uh, I wanted to do this last week. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be here. Um, the thing about self driving cars and the the conversation uh, you know unfortunately it has resulted in um, I think two deaths in the last two weeks one out in Arizona and um, I heard something yesterday I'm not sure where it was or what I had heard but um, I thought there was another fatality or another uh, problem with a self-driving car somewhere else in the country and and one thing to keep in mind that we have to respect the Air Force the you know the military grounds their airplanes under certain operating conditions. You know, the Coast Guard won't go out in the middle of a hurricane sometimes. You know, not everything can drive or fly in all kinds of weather. It's impossible. I think self-driving cars are going to have their limits, and that's what nobody is expecting. Everybody thinks, hey, we're going to plug a computer in it. It's going to work. It's going to do everything we want it to do until it doesn't. And unfortunately, it took a fatality for them to start looking at it, I think, from that perspective. I envision the day where, yes, self-driving cars on a 68-degree day, clear and sunny and, you know, able to get people around, great. If, if we think along the lines of we're going to take that self-driving car and use it for an elderly person, put mom in the car and say, take mom to the eye doctor, and she gets to the eye doctor with her aid, the aid doesn't drive, great. Are we going to put mom in that car when, you know, she's 80 years old to go to the eye doctor when it's snowing out or when it's dark out or raining or hailstones? I don't think so. Self-driving cars are going to have their limits. That's what we're experimenting with. I think they better wake up real quick because I see a lot of damage being done to the infrastructure over self-driving cars. We're betting too much on it. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen to that level, no matter how hard they try, because technology is going to get in the way of itself. So we'll leave it there. Um, I just wanted to get that opening rant out of the way. I feel better now. Mr. Tony, nice to see you once again, sir, smiling through the glass. Good to be seen. How are you? Good, sir. Um, Mr. Ray, um, as always. Hello. Yeah. yeah so. You better talk to Tony. Wait, what did he do now? He bit the ears off my chocolate bunny. Well, 
Listen, he's like that. He's a bunny biter. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a bunny biter. So. This is a family show, so we're not going to go there, gentlemen. Yeah, okay, he's a bunny biter. So. Gentlemen, listen, gentlemen. I think we've been insulted, Ron. <laughs> listen, at least at least he got a chocolate bunny. I didn't get a bunny, so <laughs> I don't rate. Anyway, uh, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's go over and talk to Mark in Las Vegas. Mark, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I You're really welcome. appreciate it. You're welcome. What's really going love on? your show. Thank you. Um, my daughter's having a problem with her, her blower motor on her 2010 Camry. Okay. She's having sort of an intermittent problem. Sometimes it'll come on. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes it'll be on, and it'll kick down at a lower speed. So something is going on in there, and I'm having a hard time figuring out how to diagnose this since it's an intermittent problem, which they're the toughest kinds to diagnose, obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so, I, you know, last week I, I, I brought it to my house and tried to take a look at it, and I thought, well, what would Ron do? And I started thinking, well, maybe I'll wire in some sort of a side marker bulb to see if when it doesn't come on, that it, is it getting juice or not? And then I went down there and I disconnected it, and there's, a, you know, there's three wires there. One's, one's like a battery. I guess it's hot all the time. When right. I tested there's, it, it was... There's a red, there's and, a white, black, and there's a, um, there's a white or a gray, if I remember right. That's right. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so much for my side marker uh, bulb trying to wire it in. I, I just kind of dropped my hands and said, I don't know, i got to call Ron and figure this one out. So is there any way to, rather than just buying a new motor and putting it in, I don't know if that is, is, if that's a, if it's a good chance no. that that's what the problem is. And, and no. you know, Mark, the problem here is that onboard computers have taken over the car so that everything you're talking about short of the blower motor itself, everything after the blower motor is now electronic. You, uh, you, you really can't look at this car without a proper level scan tool to go in and look for fault codes. There, there could okay. be an issue with, for example, that blower motor feeds back to something called an AC amplifier, and that AC amplifier is governed and controlled by input from by no less than a half a dozen different switches. Temperature sensors, solar sensors, ambient air, in-cabin temp, and they're all going to affect and modify how that blower motor responds and works and at what speed. Okay. So anything from an incorrect sensor reading to a problem with one of the either the amplifier or one of the body modules or and um, a ground connection can create this. So you know okay. it, part of the part of the game here has to be we've got to decide is this an electronic problem or is this just a plain old blower motor acting up acting out on its own? You know, right. um, don't see a lot of blower motor failures. We see more issues with the electronics, and the very first thing I would tell you to have done is somebody's got to scan for any and all fault codes in the vehicle. I'll tell you this story real quick. Okay. Had a 2013 Chevy Silverado, all right? And I don't think I told this story on there since it happened. And it was a no-crank condition. Car came in, no crank. Uh, turned the key, nothing happens, like just like a bad starter. And it turned out, long story short, that on the four computer modules that feed that side of the data bus, the PCM and the trans control module both worked off of ground 103, and it had gotten disconnected, prevented the car from starting. Pulled the, but in the meantime, it pulled the serial, it pulled the computer network down that I couldn't even talk to the computers. The scan wow. tool didn't even acknowledge that they were there. 
Trust me. Mm. You're you're driving a giant computer, all right? Yeah. With yeah. with four tires and a body sitting on top of it. And you know, until you know that everything is cooperating and getting along with one another, don't start swapping parts. Yeah, you can go and look and see. You know, you can wire a side marker in, figure out which is the control leg, which I believe is going to be the hot uh, to that to that blower motor because they're going to pulse with the uh, the signal for the, um, the the blower motor itself. But I don't even do that on everything anymore because depending upon how the AC amplifier is controlling that, I could hurt the circuit. So yeah. I've got to really understand how the circuits work before I just start modifying or changing something. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds a, like it's going to be a little out of my hands. I'm probably going to have to because I've got a scan tool, but it doesn't it doesn't scan any of the body stuff. Right, you, you've got an OBD two level scan tool. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, so that's the deal. That's the problem. So you've got yeah. to, you know, you've got. To, I would obviously go through connections. I would go through and make sure you know just look at basics battery terminal connections we're really going to have to start to judge things um based on grounds connections terminals continuity had a had an uh 2000 chevy silverado yesterday had a p0140 02 sensor no activity fault took the connector apart there was water intrusion and evidence of corrosion the the sensor was legitimately bad but you you can be darn sure I cleaned up that connector and got all the green junk out of it where it was plugging into the factory side of the harness with the new O2. Uh, you know, we've really got to look at everything and not just assume components are, are, are solely failing on their own because the components on a lot of the cars are just getting better and better as time goes by. Yeah. All right, but no known well, bulletins, nothing to, common I, with the I rest guess of I'm that. Have to, I guess I'm going to have to disappoint my daughter because she was really thinking I was going to be able to fix it. And we got summer coming. I mean, it's 85 degrees here today, so the air is going to be needed. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it'll come on today, maybe not. I don't know. How but many miles? Anyway, how many, how many how many miles on the car, Mark? Uh, you know, I think there's a I think there's over a hundred. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd I'd be probably I'd, somewhere around a hundred. I'd be surprised if it's a blower. About the only thing you could do is if you have an amp meter. Do you have a clamp on amp meter? I don't have a clamp-on, no. If you have a clamp-on amp meter, maybe it, maybe you can go buy yourself one and buy you know more toys for more boys, um, and just watch watch current draw and see what it draws. And if you notice it's starting to exceed what it's rated for on the circuit, take a look at the fuse. Typically, if it's a if it's a 20 amp fuse, I would expect that blower motor to draw about a third of that, seven or eight amps. That's usually the rule of thumb the engineers go by. And you know, if all of a sudden you see that blower motor starting to pull 12, 14, 15 amps. Yeah, maybe we got a conversation about a blower motor. But if that blower motor is misbehaving and pulling six, seven, eight amps, it's not a blower motor. Okay. And is that something I could do with it running properly? Sure. Because yeah. it doesn't it it doesn't cut out that often. It seems like it it works fine more often than not. Well, remember the remember the rule. We want to we want known good. So catch it while it's good. So when it starts yeah. to fail, you'll know what you're looking for. If all of a sudden, you know, you don't want to leave that amp meter on there for two weeks, but at least you know what known good is. The next time it happens, hey, Dad, this is happening. You you, you catch it. You know, yeah. um, at least you know what you're working against. It's it's yeah. no it's no different than what I go through in the shop day in and day out, and half and a half a million guys around the country go through. This is what we're yeah. up against. Okay, Ron, thank you so much. I you're, really appreciate you're it. You're welcome, kiddo. You have a good rest of the day. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Roger, Dayton, Ohio. Roger, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? 
Hey, I think so. I've got a 2006 Jeep Liberty four-wheel drive okay. with a 3.7 in it. Right. And I was playing around with a Launch Tech 129 scanner the other day. Okay. And it has an odometer reading on it from the PCM. Right. Which states it has 217,000 miles on it. Right. But the actual odometer, odometer that I can read has 200. And, 6,000 miles on it. So which one? I'm, I'm pretty sure the PCM one is true. Where does it get the different readings from? Do you know? What What, what is the PCM reading? 217,000. So it's off and by... I've owned it's, it, and it's, I've owned it since it was new, so I know it's never been changed. It's off by 11,000 miles. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, up now, I've noticed going down the interstate that my... Odometer does not match the mile markers. It's off by, you know, maybe a tenth every once in a while. Right. So if if and the game was if you did sixty miles an hour, it'll take you a minute to go mile marker to mile marker. Right. But you would think that the calculation would, you know, indicate if the PCM is seeing whatever the PCM is seeing in terms of how the mileage accumulates, how it records it. You would think it should be recorded also on the instrument cluster. You would think so. You would think so. Um, and you know, I've also been checking it once a week. I'll hook it up and check the the PCM odometer reading and then other odometer, and they're off completely. The PCM odometer reading and the instrument. And the one that I can see. You know, once a week, I'll record the information on both of them, and then I'll I'll check them, and they're they're both off. I mean, they're they're differences. The only thing I could think of is I wonder if at any time during a flash program. That I wonder if it's the only thing I can think of is that perhaps if the vehicle was ever programmed, if it ever had a software update, and you um, not lately. Well, not lately, but at any time in its life, and it's you know twelve years old. Right. If the wrong mileage was entered, perhaps it's recording off of that, and therefore it's not it's not the mileage at the PCM that's calculating it. I wonder if the mileage is being calculated and fed through the instrument cluster module, and PCM is just recording on its own. In other words, are, is it two different locations, two separate pieces of information recording the same thing? Yeah, but uh, they're, they're both, I mean, one records just, a, the odometer reading records it just a little bit less than the uh, PCM one does. Right, but what I'm saying is, in other words, the PCM has its own odometer reading built in. Right. Right. And the instrument cluster has its own odometer reading built in. The the instrument cluster is calculating its own mileage reading. Okay. Yeah. But the but the so in other words, you know, everything was equal between the two at the two thousand mile mark. And okay. you went into the dealer for uh, you know, a software update. And yeah. instead of reporting that it had two thousand miles on it, the dealer reported that it had three thousand miles on it. Mm. And it didn't change the odometer, but it changed the PCM. Now, I would have to think it's something along those lines because I would dare guess that if one day you were driving the car and it had 2,000 miles on it and the next day it had 3,700, you'd probably notice that. Yeah, yeah, because I keep track of the mileage. Right. Pretty, pretty good. Right. What, have I replaced the um, both the front wheel hubs and uh, probably... 30, 40, 50,000, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe 100,000 miles ago because it was make, one of them was making a noise, so I just right. replaced both of them. Would that have anything to do with nah. the odometer reading? No, if, if, I, don't, I don't see how it would, um, you know, unless, 
unless well then we have to assume so now if if it's calculating now we're we're into, we're, we're we're way too deep into this all right we're overthinking it if 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 the if the front wheel hubs were throwing off the reading on the odometer on the instrument cluster it should throw off the readings on the pcm unless we want to sit there and think does the pcm have a different multiplier as far as how it calculates mileage versus the instrument cluster and in the end doesn't really matter car still got 200,000 miles on it yeah, it does. It so, runs great, though. You know, yeah, you know, it's it's. I get it. It's a curiosity. I th I think about those things too when it comes to cars sometimes. But um, I have to believe that somewhere along the way somebody changed something. There was there was manual entry error, and the reason I can say that is, I've been in situations with Chrysler's where I have reprogrammed or ha I've had to rewrite the VIN to the PCM on okay. certain vehicles, and this is with the DRB3. This was old school technology. Which that that oh six might be part of that. I have to think about that. But you know, I could I there were times I could enter incorrect odometer and okay. it would show up on the PCM but not on the instrument cluster. Okay. And that's what I think is happening here. Okay. Well that's that's good to know. So now a quick question on a blower motor. Real quick. It doesn't run, but if I jump to it it still doesn't run. Well, okay, so depending on how you jump to it, does it have ground? Yeah, I put yeah, if I you put, put it straight from the if positive you, negative, positive negative. If you put if you if if you're on power and ground and you put power and ground to that blower motor, mm -hmm. it's it's gotta it's gotta run. So disconnect the connector, take a pair of jumper leads, all right. Tap into your power and ground the connector, the factory connector. Run those power and ground leads to a large headlamp. Go out and get an old headlight bulb, a 6014 or a big square one, something like that. You should be able to make that headlight light up using the blower control, high speed to low speed. You should be able to make that bulb go bright to dim and backwards. If you can do all that, you got a bad blower motor, and um, that'll do it. Roger, I appreciate the call, 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. So you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's get busy. I'm telling you, the phones are just relentless today. Let's go over and talk to Bob, Watertown, New York. Bob, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hello? Yes, sir. Can, okay. I was wondering why uh, I cannot get a car without power steering and also wondering why a number of other good features back in the 1950s can are no longer available such as well a, a push button radio a car length uh, girders that went from the front to the back springs that were very long so that the car had a very soft ride um, just, uh, well even a, a, a car called the Hudson I think had beds in it I mean there's so many things that they had that uh, they no longer have. Oh, sure. Well, listen, do you remember the Gemini and the Mercury Space uh, Capsule Program? No. Well, sure, back in the 60s. I remember that. That's how we went. That's how we started getting ready to go to the moon. But technology changed, and we had to move forward. Uh, we had to go from Gemini to Mercury to Apollo and then into the space shuttle, and now we're into who knows what we're into. But here, let me, let me answer the question about power steering like this. Tony, Tony, pick up your mic. 
Tony, uh, yes. W- would you drive a car without power steering? No. Okay. Tom, would you drive a car without power steering? Well, you know, the car my daughter has, the power steering failed on that once it was a recall on it. And yeah. uh, let me tell you, I almost didn't get around a corner when that failed. It's, it's so a yes, the answer is no. It's a yes or no question. Yes, the answer is no. So let me say it like this, uh, Bob, and, and, and I'm a no. I don't want to drive a car without power steering unless it's a hot rod or something I'm looking to feel the road on. So just in our short little survey here, Three out of one, so that means one out of four wants, doesn't want power steering, and the other three do. And the reason is, the reason they're, I'm trying to make the point is that the car companies look at what the public wants. Everybody wants power steering. Everybody wants all the bells and whistles. Nobody wants push-button radios anymore. I'm not saying you're wrong for wanting it. I'm just saying they're, they're, you know, market dictates demand. They're, they're building those because that's what people want, and that's how they're, that's how they're putting them together. Uh, per, per, the trouble is that nobody a- asks us what we want. There's right. no survey taken by the car companies. Well, uh, you know, somewhere along the way they are, and the proof's in the pudding. We sold, uh, what did we sell last year, 17 million cars in this country or some ridiculous number like that? So they, they must be making something right. Um, but that's not to say you can't get a, a Hudson or, or, or something from the 50s. And listen. I like a 55 Chevy. I like the wraparound windshield. I like the mechanicalness of the car. Uh, I like the 72 Monte Carlo. It's a very straightforward, very different kind of riding vehicle. And after I get done fixing computers with engines and tires uh, during the course of the week, there's nothing like sitting in a mechanical car um, uh, that just gives you an appreciation for where we've come from. But I feel your pain, but there's nothing you're going to do about it. It's what, it's what the masses want. Can, That's I what just, we're uh, have. can I ask one more question? Sure. In 1950, Ford could make their car, at no extra expense, could make their car get seven zero, seventy miles to the gallon on the highway. What happened to that? That's the first I'm hearing of it. Seventy. You're kidding. Mi- Ford. Ford can get a car. Ford had a car that went seventy miles to the gallon. What, yes. What was, absolutely. What, what model car was that? What was the regular? car that weighed 3,108 pounds. Do you have any documentation for that? No. Well, then how do you know well, How do you know it existed? A congresswoman about 15 years ago, a congresswoman, U.S. congresswoman, came back from um, Sweden. They said the Volvo that sold only in Sweden, not the ones they export, but the ones sold in Sweden also get 70 miles to the gallon, and they are in combination with Ford. You know, Bob, i got to tell you, if there was a way to bring a car to the public masses that could get 70 miles to the gallon, even today, they would do it. And the reason I say that is because you look at the shift, you look at the shift in politics, you know, how the Middle East and the way we're treating the Middle East and the way we have to rely on the Middle East has changed in the last five to seven years just because cars today get better fuel economy, we're not so fuel-dependent on offshore oil anymore. At least that's my view, and I'm no Washington think tank scholar, but just as a casual observation. Uh, you know, I'd love to see something in print, something documented, that Ford had a car that got 70 miles to the gallon. First, I'm hearing about it. Most of the cars back in the 50s, it was, you know, I won't say 7, but it was maybe 15 to 18 miles to the gallon, maybe 20 on certain ones, but those cars weighed a lot. They polluted a lot. Their maintenance was way, way up um, in terms of cost factor. 
Um, you know, and I'm not going to debate it. It was just a very different time. You know what? I look at cars of the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Hey, everybody was working. Everybody got paid. The, 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 the cost of living was down, and the wage everybody made was more equitable to what they did. They could, you know, it was a different life. It was a different style. Again, my, my theory about cars or a lifestyle comes to light. But the point being, you can't look at what it was and say, why not? you got to look at what it is and say, how can I make it better? And that's just, just my perspective. But if you come across that documentation, I'd love to see it. Let's go over and talk to Dave in Iowa, 2000 Monte Carlo. Yeah, Dave, what's going on? Hey, hi. How are you, Don? All right. What's going I on? I the phone call. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm 73. I don't get as many miles on walking anymore either. So, But anyway... Uh, I want to let you know what, uh, that Monte Carlo that I was telling you about that I had that was having problems with. We couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Right. I, I took it into the shop, and the guy said, well, we'll check it out and see what happens. And uh, anyway, it's been three weeks to take a spark plug out, put the scope in it, and turn it over and find out that there was a piston. Well, number one was not on the rod, the end of the rod is what he said. So is that really the... Shouldn't he have some noise on that or something? I mean, really. What, the piston came off the connecting rod? That's what he said. He, up, he said he didn't see the piston in there, so. Uh, gee, I'd love to see yeah, that. I, is is this a full moon show? I'd love to see that. Um, I, you know? would, I would, too. I don't believe it. Yeah, I don't, because, uh, I, I, I don't, know, I don't believe that either. If a piston physically came off the connecting rod, it had to make a big boom. Oh, it, it it had to make a big boom, brother. So uh, I'd I'd love to see that. Um, I would go back and ask him where'd the piston go if it's not there, and how did it get disconnected if it is? And at that point, it sounds like you're headed for an engine. So um, you know, and then a 2000 Monte Carlo. Well, we both know you know what's the value of that. Um, I would ask him about that again, Dave. I would ask him that and call me back next week. Just be sure: is it really the piston disconnected from the connecting rod? If it did. That wrist pin is so thick, uh, that motor would make a heck of a noise turning over. I've never seen one just disconnect itself. I think that's a mechanical impossibility. I, um, I call BS to that. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron on the end of The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. You know, I, I got to tell you, some of the calls we're getting today, I think it's more they're looking for Dr. Joyce Brothers or Dr. Joy Brown or something. It's. Um, I just wish he didn't say full moon. You don't want to know what Tony did during the break. No, well, I, you know, well, blue moon. Um, but, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not cold enough for that. Whew, I'm telling you. Um, they don't make cars without power steering because everybody wants cars with every bell whistle and option on it. I I get it. I just we're looking for different kinds of cars. Anyway, let's uh, let's roll forward. We got a lot of phones calls to get through yet. Paul, Minnesota. How are you today, sir? Alrighty, haven't talked to you in a bit here. Uh, I'm the Ford Senior Master up here in the sure. Great White North. Yep, 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 yep. What's cooking? Yeah. Anyhow, quick one because I caught your opening thing. Uh, I have a problem with the self drivers because when Ford came out with this self parking mode and the rear parkade and all that, the sensor failures were off the chart. Yeah. So you lose one sensor. Uh, guess what? You know. And uh, so there's a problem. Oh, and uh, the gentleman that wanted that uh, is uh, back to the old school. I've got a 52 Merc that'll fit him just perfect. Well, you know, but anyway. Well, you know, Paul, what I, what I don't get is, okay, and maybe this is the hard part for me. You know, 
And we had we had this conversation in the shop this week. A customer came in with his young son, and we were talking about, you know, they say by 2050, nobody will need a driver's license anymore. Now, think about that for a minute. No more driver's license applications. Of course, by then, the line of New Jersey Motor Vehicle will probably have cut down some. But, um, you know, even so, because self-driving cars will be so proficient. And I asked the young kid, he was probably all of 9 or 10, and I said, aren't you looking forward to driving? And he said, no, why do I want to drive anything? He goes, I'd rather just have somebody drive me. And that, you know, man, I tell you what, I was 13 working at a stable, you know, driving a horse manure truck. It was the greatest experience of my life. That's how I learned how to drive a big old 65 Chevy C30 dump truck. And I just, I just don't get it that why don't people want to drive? And you go back to self-driving or self-parking cars. So now you depend on the car to park. And then one day one of those sensors falls in the bumper or fails. And you find out it's a couple of three, $400 to get it fixed because it's out of warranty. So you don't get it fixed. Now you don't know how to parallel park the car anymore. You've lost that ability. You've taken something away. And I, oh, exactly. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh, again, and to uh, uh, date myself to my first car, I paid ten dollars for a '51 Plymouth, yeah. and oh. I drove it for two years. Yeah. You know, right? And you probably sold it for ten bucks when you were done with it. Um, oh no, I sold it for two hundred. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, but there's 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 an intrinsic. I'm looking for the right words. There's there's an intrinsic value in being self-sufficient behind the wheel at a young age. It, it teaches you self-reliance. You know, it's, it's sort of like that kid that's 16 or 14 that can find their way through the New York City subway system and make it from Brooklyn to Harlem and back again all in one piece because they know, they know the rules and the regs of the subway. It, it gives you a sense of self-reliance. It gives you a sense of confidence in yourself. And I think a lot of the kids today are going to miss that. And I get it that they can't work on the cars like we did when we were kids because of how mechanical things were versus now. But to not want to drive? I'll tell you how bad it is. The Cooper Tire salesman came in this week, and I was really surprised at this. And they were showing me the new Cooper Tire catalog and, and so forth, and we were going over and over it. And he said, and up here we've got the Tread Lightly or the Tread Safely campaign. And I said, what's that? He said, Cooper Tire is going out to the schools and speaking in front of the 15, 16, and 17-year-olds, explaining tire technology and safety, trying to get them interested in tires to try and get them interested into getting their driver's licenses. Because nobody, these kids today don't want to drive. They want to be driven. And I'm not picking on the generation. I'm just saying they're missing out on the greatest experience of their life and something that's going to help form, I, I think, the basis of who they become. Um, cars are a lifestyle. I, I really believe that. And if you're self-reliant, if you can, you know, if you can figure things out behind the wheel and, you know, keep yourself safe on the road, I think you're self-reliant. I think you're, 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 you're in a better position than the person that can't. And, um, okay. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Oh, and I got a, qu a quick one on this, the, that, uh, la your previous caller about fuel mileage. Well, well I'll tell you what, Paul, I let me, Paul, let me pull over and take this pause and I'll come, I'll come right back to you. Let's, uh. Let's, uh, let's come back to Paul. Go ahead. Let's get back to Paul, Ron and Ian, the car doctor here. Paul, go ahead. Finish up real quick, Pip. Yeah, I'll make it quick for you. Oh, and also on the mileage thing, uh, I've been a Ford guy for 42 years, 
anyhow, uh, had a 57 Fairlane, which unfortunately I had to get rid of, 292 automatic. The best I could get out of it was 18 miles to the gallon. Yeah, that's what I kind of think. I just think that they, um, they, I don't know where he came up with that number of 70 miles to the gallon. Paul, as always, a pleasure, sir. We'll get together again real soon, and uh, we'll have a longer conversation. Let's get over and talk to Brian uh, from Minnesota and some comments um, about KCL. Brian, Ron and Andy, the car doctor, how can I help? Hello, Ron. Thanks yes, for speaking with me. You're welcome. <clears throat> Say, last last summer, I heard you um, listen to you for a long time, and I heard you talking about KCL. It was the show where you said, I think you were t- talking about the product. You said, I think they're going to be a sponsor of the show at some point. Right. And you believe you believed in the product that much. And I've got a '98 Cadillac STS, the Seville, and I had. I've got the head gasket issues with that. Right, yeah, common. The last, yeah, common, yep, common. Last yep. Time, yep, very much so. And I, and Ron, I had over the years earlier on, I had, and I knew ultimately the problem, what the problem was. I figured that out. Um, and at some point I was going to have to just dig into it and get it fixed. But over just kind of trying to put off reality, I tried different pour-in products, uh, some of them, you know, 60, 70 bucks and nothing. And um, I listened to you last last summer and I thought, what the heck, I'll go get it. And after five minutes running the thing around, it was just fine. Great. And hey. the, last, the, last, the last time I licensed this vehicle was 19, or excuse me, was 2009. I've been sitting on it for that long. Wow. Yeah, nine I years. love the I love the car. I love the ride. Yeah, and everything. So I thought I'm gonna hold on to it, and you know, at some point, get it fixed. And I'm not kidding you. It within five minutes, generally, I could tell, or so I could tell if something was working or not because she'd start. The temp would go over twelve o'clock, which is where she always sits, and uh, I'd always get some burping back up into the reservoir. And I get nothing now. The thing wow. runs perfectly. Well, I'll tell you what, K-Seal does work. We've had we've had excellent luck with it. Paul, as a matter of fact, I just got off the line. The Ford Master Tech from up uh, Minnesota way also was telling us about it one time when he had called up. And, um, you know, it's new technology. and it's, it's, it's not that new, but it's newer style technology. It does work. It does do what it says it's going to do. I'm glad it worked for you, Brian. Um, I really am. Uh, and I appreciate the phone call and... Uh, um, you know, I appreciate you being part of the Car Doctor family. And, you know, take my word for it. If I'm talking about it, it's because I, I've used it, I trust it, I like it. And that's what we try to do with all the products here on the Car Doctor because I'm trying to keep it real. And that's the bottom line. Hey, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.